Hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. My name is Shay Ryan Douglas, and in this series, we explore community connection, optimal human potential, and transformational collective growth through inspiring stories and conversations with a diverse range of people who are working towards positive change in the world. This is really exciting, and I hope you enjoy this episode. To get the full video versions of all the interviews on this podcast, please visit earthheroestv.com and I'd greatly appreciate it if you took the time to like, share and subscribe. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm Sharon Douglas. Today I'm really excited. I've got Sovereign with me and of course Dr. David Martin. We've been preparing for this conversation for the last few weeks and here he is. Um, he's been instrumental over the last 18 months since everything has really started to unfold, but I'm really been inspired and admire the work that he's really stepped into with integrity because he's really, what I've noticed is doing this for humanity, doing this for the greater good. And that is something of the conversation we really want to focus on today is this future dreaming, a film that David's been a part of and what the awakening is and, and how we can transition to this new narrative, this new story of what's possible for humankind in today's world. And before we get into that conversation, I just wanted to invite Sovereign just to share a piece on what has been the, the mycelium network of these <laughs> interconnected webs that, that we've been so blessed to have these relationships with. And um, something that he's been working on with the Brave New Life community is fostering really empowering community. And it's a blessing to have David as a part of this community and, and also Sovereign being that really connecting piece in here. So Sovereign, just quickly, do you want to just share, you know, the, the connection point here and, and the work that you guys have done in the past last year, just instrumental in the movement that is, you know, pioneering this space for humanity at this time? So great. Thanks, Shay. And hi, David. So great to see you again. Sovereign, good to see you. Shay, great to see you. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's it's been amazing to be in a position to be in a supportive role. You know, I've I've just been gifted by grace this capacity to navigate digital landscapes and ecosystems and technology and how it all works. And um, it's been it's been a beautiful ride, so to speak, to be in a seat where I can really offer support that that can be really functional. And so I had, had the privilege to work with Kim for a little bit to um, to just offer some. Uh, I call it hand-holding because technology is just not always as easy to familiarize yourself with a whole new interface of a platform. And it's just been a total privilege for me to be able to support in a way that allows for a kind of graceful, continual activity to be to be possible. And, and if I only can contribute a little bit into that space, um, I've through the Mastermind Brain Trust that Imani organized uh, and gathered almost every every Tuesday, um, there's just been so much opportunity for me to just step in, lean in a little bit to offer and offset some of that. Like, well, I don't know how it works. And that's just led into uh, just beautiful relationships because when we come in and we lean in with no expectation of a return, it allows other people to just see that, hey, this is, this is a great space to operate in. And so I was quite instrumental in the focus on Fauci event that was organized with uh, with Sasha Stone and with the line in the sand. And that was just a great opportunity to really actually go into the, the hard work that David has put into everything that he's done. And I was absolutely blown away because I had front row seat, of course, 
in in that um, in that live event, and that was um, really my turning point when when all the evidence actually started becoming presented. So, for me to to be able to show up and be that connector um, through the personal relationships is just it's just a privilege and it's a beautiful gift that I'm I'm very honored to carry. So, great grateful to be here. Bless, thanks, Sovereign. It's um, you have been instrumental in so many ways and. One of the most um, pioneering voices of our time, Dr. David Martin, you've really stepped into this role to help share truth, you know, and be real about what's going on, particularly with a lot of the research that you've done through the technology that you've developed. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more in the Uncensored chat. But David, I just wanted to thank you first and foremost, and also just invite you to share a little bit more on, you know, this, this journey that you've been on over the last 18 months has probably exponentially um, grown to a point. But do you feel that your life has led you to this point and you've just like naturally stepped into it or you, you had been like kind of preparing for this all along and this has been your moment to really you know serve humanity on a greater greater scope well it's a wonderful question and, and i think it's worth just uh stepping into some of the uh, linguistic assumptions that we make um for an enormous number of people uh became you know certainly in 2011 a number of people became aware of the work that I had done in 2001 when the alleged anthrax bioterror event took place. Um, so for me, this is far from the first rodeo. It's, it's actually, you know, probably rodeo five or 6.0. Um, and, and, and so what's fascinating probably is, is unpacking a couple really in, interesting, um, observations. First of all is, um, I, I wouldn't say I've done much research. Um, you know, I started watching this coronavirus manipulation and the bioweaponization of coronavirus from the very first um, patents and, and research grants that were started in 1999. Um, and, and so the funny thing is, a lot of times I think we use the term research somewhat carelessly. And, and I really want to key in on something, which is um, I've just made observations over the last 21 years. Um, the difference, and I think this is where the that kind of interesting blurry space occurs. The difference is that when you know what to look for, it's easier to keep it uh, keep track of things. You know, so if you actually know um, that there are people who are receiving tens or hundreds of millions of dollars of, of research to weaponize the biosphere, and you know who they are, and you know what institutions that are funding, and you know what institutions are doing the work. It's kind of easy to keep an eye on it. So, so I think you know one of the things that's important to point out is, I I didn't start doing research on this. I actually started making observations. And in two thousand and two and two thousand three, it was actually really interesting because I wrote the very first bioweaponization warning document, which is a, a fact a, a book that I have sitting right in front of me. Um, I'll just reach down on my on my little table and and hold it up. Um, this book um, that is uh, our, our security briefing on, on bioweapons, um, the one I'm holding there is from 2003, but we wrote these books uh, routinely documenting violations of biological and chemical weapons um, treaties and laws and so forth. And, and so we, we wrote them, we published them. And for a lot of people, I think it comes somewhat as a surprise that I was actually setting up alarm bells for this particular situation in 2002 and 2003, when coming off of the anthrax situation, um, 
it became clear that there were more things to be concerned about than just the Defense Department's uh, misuse and ultimately appropriation of anthrax. So in part, I would say I haven't done any research. I've just watched. Um, and and I think that's not some sort of false humility. That's actually just the case. I've, I've known what to watch. I've known who to watch. And I've known the 4,000 plus patent filers and holders who have tried to commercialize the uh, bioweapon called coronavirus and, and specifically the bioweapon called SARS. So I've been focused on that. But but Shay, you ask a beautiful second question, which I really, really want to address. And that is, um, I think that all of us are here precisely for this moment in time. I feel like I'm very much prepared and equipped. I mean, I think that spending the early part of the 2000s um, doing biological and chemical weapons uh, work around the world, uh, examining what was going on, looking at proliferation, looking at who was doing, you know, kind of what illicit activities around the world, who was financing those activities. I think having that perspective obviously prepared me precisely for this moment. But I think that if you actually examine your own life, uh, I, I know, you know, from Sovereign's journey, we were all positioned to be perfectly equipped at this moment to help, you know, surface information and share information. And as Sovereign said, you know, enable technology that allows us to connect. So in many respects, I would say that we were all perfectly situated for exactly where we are right at this moment. And um, I, I think that what makes my contribution in this moment interesting is that um, if we have a very crass view of it, we can confidently say I've been horribly ineffective because I've been trying to wake people up to this since 2003. Um, the flip side of it is maybe, maybe it just takes that long of, you know, wearing sackcloth and eating locusts in the wilderness before people are ready to listen. So I don't know one way or another, I think, I think humility is, is appropriate, but also I think timing and, and the fortuitous connections, all of these connections, which bring us into this moment, are just perfect evidence of the the world has conspired to equip us to deal with what we're facing at this moment right now with a full complement of capabilities. That's huge. And I love your perspective on the unraveling world at our fingertips. You know, it seems so much is changing at a rapid race these days. And we're just navigating and collaborating and working together to be able to support one right. another to get that message out there further. And <clears throat> something that I've felt inspired by is, you know, um, the way that you just so gracefully kind of align yourself with people who share a similar mission. You know, you've been doing it for so many years and, and here we are, you know, connecting with people like Sovereign and, and Sasha Stone and those who are really putting the message out there and reaching the people because it, now more than ever, it's, it's very relevant that we all, you know, work together and come together because right. there's huge, huge power in numbers ultimately. Um, Sovereign, did you want to share just a piece on <clears throat> what you guys have done in the past and potentially the the future connections that that are that are um, coming into manifestation and, and the creations that are coming forth? Yeah, totally. Um, well, one one particular question that I would ask, um, second to that uh, of David, is that. Um, through the focus on Fauci event, we, you delivered this beautiful um, research. Um, I, I call them the, the Fauci leaks uh, document. Yeah. And um, I've just been going through my files and figuring out, because I had to, something working in this, in this realm of um, kind of going in against the, um, 
the distorted fantasies of of the the powers that were um i i have found that my technology because i also use it intensely um hasn't always kept up so right after the fauci event my whole laptop just got taken out and so um i wasn't prepared for that or backed up and so i i, I have the curiosity if there is um that file folder still online where people that may find that so we can follow up in an email and point it out or maybe you have a web address for it um I'm yeah i could actually pop it into the chat um and and um that way people can um people can lay hands on it um the reason i'm i'm suggesting to do this is the um the official dossier is is uh published under the creative commons license so everybody anywhere in the world is is able to get it for free there there have been a couple of people who've tried to commercialize it um but what what i'll do i think i'll do this I, i'm saying i'm going to do it but then i'm trying to figure out why i can't i'll just put it in the private chat and then shay you can um, you can share it but there's the link to the fauci dossier you can share it in the in the broader chat um, but that document, just for everybody's reference, that document is uh, about 25 or 26 pages of my kind of substantive uh, report on the felonies and, and the various civil crimes that have been uh, perpetrated since 1999. But Sovereign, the balance of that document, which is actually quite a, quite a sub substantial document, the balance of that document is every single patent uh, since 1998 that has been filed on the bioweapons of uh, the coronavirus manipulation. So uh, there's over 4,000 uh, documents in there. Um, it's actually quite a, quite a hefty um, thud value. If you, if you want to drop something on somebody's desk and you, you print it out and, and have the ability to drop that information uh, for people to have a, a closer examination. Mm -hmm. There's a couple things that are are critical, but you know, every time we talk about the Fauci dossier, I, I find myself compelled, and I'll just I'll just do it again because I can't help myself. Um, when whenever we whenever we bring it up, I think it's really critical that we uh, that we kind of recapitulate probably the most important line inside of that Fauci dossier, which was the quote from Peter Daszak um, that was at the mm. National Academy of Sciences in 2015, published in the February 2016 Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. Um, and what he said, just to make it abundantly clear, and I know we're on general, so you'll, you'll have to bear with me. I'm going to use one term um, that will, will only be in code. But he says, to sustain the funding beyond base beyond the crisis, we need to increase the public understanding for the need for medical countermeasures such as a pan-coronavirus um, in injection. I think we can say injection. Um, a key driver is the media, and the economics will follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. Yeah, That's a quote, and that's a quote from the money launderer-in-chief, the guy who was the veterinarian who allegedly um, discovered that we had some sort of novel coronavirus in 2019. But that quote from 2015, where he, I mean, listen, we can't make this up. This is actually the admission of the crime by the criminal himself. This is actually stating that we need to create a media hype 
and we need that media hype to be used for our advantage. Investors will follow if they see profit at the end of the process. You know, every time I am confronted with a person who says to me, well, Dave, you may be going out on a limb. That's kind of an accusation. That's kind of a conspiracy. Ladies and gentlemen, that's actually a bank robber showing up with the bank's bag of money and me accusing them of robbing the bank whose name is on the bag of money. Like, that's what that is. That's not that's not a a theory. That is a criminal conspiracy. Um, it's a criminal conspiracy that we'll go to in the in the private session here. We'll go into what their plan was. The fact that this plan was written and published and signed by the perpetrators in 2011. So you're going to see all of this on the show, people. So just, you know, hang with us. But it's so important to understand that, that these aren't allegations. This is admissions. These are admissions made by the people who are, in fact, perpetrating this crime across the world. And so, yes, yeah, Sovereign, you know, when 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 you have that kind of information and it is proliferating all over the world you know what what stands between us and really bringing this this plan undone is if people of goodwill fail to act with this information um you know yeah. we have we have the information we have the ability to move um the fauci dossier is a publicly available published for the benefit of humanity um kind of thing and and we just know that this is a this is a simple, simple mathematic game of how many at bats are we going to make? How many are we going to make before we finally get to a tipping point where enough people share this information and, and call for some accountability? So I'm, yeah. I'm excited and, and sovereign, you know, with the focus on Fauci event, as you know, um, we actually started bringing a sharp focus so much so that if you look at the actual Newsweek publication yesterday, um, and you heard me say that correctly, Newsweek, the, the mainstream media Newsweek, just published an op-ed which is scathing and in fact lays out an enormous amount of the information that I actually articulated in the Fauci dossier. Um, obviously, a year later, but who cares? We're, we're making yeah. progress. We've got mainstream media now publishing op-eds that, in fact, recite many of the things that I put in that dossier a year ago. And so far, as you know, we, um, we just have been vindicated on every statement we've made, that, that all of them have turned out to be materially substantiated now by the release of emails and documents and everything else. So, yeah, it was an amazing event and grateful, grateful for the work you did to make it happen. It was, it was, as I said, just such a privilege to be able to uh, be in a team that um, has the capacity to make it all work. And it was a very short kind of short window of time to compress it all. But it's, yeah. it's amazing when, you know, when we come together for a common good and a common goal. Um, I've, I, I personally sense, Shay, that this conversation is starting to heat up a bit. And, um, you know, we've all had the strikes on uh, on on accounts and so forth so i very much um am interested to take this conversation onto the earth heroes platform um to lean into some questions that i particularly have um that may be a little bit speculative but i think that your insight on this field is is so interesting and, and one of them is is that i hear a lot of talk you know a lot of people have a lot of armchair opinions and want to see a, a light at the end of the tunnel and so the conversation has kind of 
reached my ear several times that Australia is the final frontier or, or, and last year I was very clear that it was really all going to come down in America um, in terms of where, where the, the, the turning point, the shifting point um, out of this kind of dystopia is, yeah. is being activated, but we may just want to jump into the, the private channel for that, because I think we're going to uncover a few uh, words and sentences that um, are, are much more appreciated there. Yeah, well, I, and, and Sovereign, I think it's, it's great to point out and everybody uh, who's, who's watching, you know, we have, we have done our very best to make sure we're careful, we're thoughtful. Um, our, our goal is to have our voice as, as accessible as possible. And as you know, um, we, have, we have navigated the worlds of our social media channels uh, with, with some aplomb so far, so far, I, I'm always careful. Um, but the great news is we, we still do have an enormous amount of content at David Martin World. That channel on YouTube is still up. Uh, we still post to it every day. And uh, we still have a live stream that we put up once a week on Facebook. Um, so, so, so far, uh, we've, we've navigated the, uh, the minefield of the automated bots and scrubbers and scrapers and everything else. And that is that is in part so that we can keep the integrity of a conversation going, because we feel that that is, as you've pointed out many times, it's it's critical, but it also has its limitations. And so I'm super excited about going into the uh, private phase of this conversation so that we can be uh, a slightly less edited, slightly uh, more unplugged uh, I like to think of it as my acoustic version. So think of this as, as me acoustic. <laughs> oh, so great. Shay, I'm going to hand it over to you. Um, we're, uh, we're now live solely on Earth Heroes TV where we can um, lean in a little bit uh, into the unplugged and acoustic version. Ah, there it. you go. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, it seems that the world of censorship has gone mad and, and the level of dangerous misinformation that might be out there <laughs> that has been combating that. It's obvious that the, the Rockefeller Foundation has actually funded this movement of censoring dangerous information. And David, you've really gone into the work of some of these private organizations that are working towards um, more ownership, more centralization, more um, accumulation of resources, ultimately. Yeah. And I uh, feel you got some really great uh, evidence there to show showcase you know how it can be revealed to the, to the general public who might be unaware of some of these um, the acquiescence that that we've ultimately been moving towards for quite some time it's not just in the last 12 months since um, the COVID um, pandemic has happened but it's been in the work for some years now and and you've got some evidence to really to promote and show and and um, give truth to so I'm really excited to see and, and uncover this with you. Yeah, so for those of you who have not encountered the uh, the content before, um, I, I was I was challenged by a group of friends in 2011 to write the experience of the preceding 12 years in a novel form. And specifically, they said, you know, if you wrote it as a novel, nobody would believe it. If you told them it was the truth, nobody would believe it. So write a great novel. And so I did. I wrote uh, I wrote a novel uh, called Cuda 12. Um, and um, I actually have a copy of it. Hang on just a second. I'm going to go off camera and just grab a copy. Oh, here it is. Um, so 
So uh, you can you can get it from Fifth Estate Publishers. You can get it from a lot of places. But um, I wrote Coup de Twelve, the enterprise that bought the presidency. Um, and this in this book published by Fifth Estate Publishers um, was the the way in which I found to communicate to a lay audience how deeply corrupt the system had become and. I wanted to share it in a way that could be approached from the from the entertainment side because sometimes it's harder for people to wrap their head around the evidence if it's presented just in the cold light of day and here's the facts and here's the dates and here's the times. And and the goal of that was to to try to make sure people understood that that the systems broadly and this is not a public health story, this is not a you know, FDA, CDC story. It's not a patent office story. It's, it, it is the systems writ large that unfortunately have this irony that I think we've paid no attention to, which goes back to the turn of the last century. Um, most of us are not aware that the single largest growth market that contributed to the GDP of the developed world going back to the late 1800s and into the early part of the 1900s was the life insurance industry. And, and I always love when I say that and people go, what are you talking about? Well, if you go back and you look at the period from 1868 to 1898, during that 30 year period of time, the largest market growth in the global you know, GDP contribution was the growth of life insurance. Now, when I say that, People just kind of have this glazed over look and they say, well, what on earth does that have to do with anything? And the answer is actually quite problematic because it turns out that the actuarial sciences, which are essentially bets against your life, if, you, if we are honest with what we're saying, that's what, what it is, became very involved in 1913 to 1916 in the establishment of an organization called the Cold Spring Harbor Labs. Now, you guys know about the work of the Cold Spring Harbor Labs, but you don't know what they actually were. In 1916, the Cold Spring Harbor Lab was the Carnegie-funded endowment for the eugenics office of the United States. Now, you just heard what I just said, and that happens to be absolutely an open secret that no one talks about. And I find it, I find it massively fascinating that the Cold Spring Harbor Labs eugenics office of the United States government had by the 1920s and 1930s very clearly articulated messages about humans being bred with the level of discipline, and I'm using their words, not mine, the level of discipline that cattlemen use with livestock. When you ask the question, where does the term herd immunity come from? You actually shouldn't want to know the answer because it turns out that the cover news stories from Cold Spring Harbor Labs were that we should, in fact, bring the level of discipline of cattlemen and cattle breeders into the human experience so that we get rid of the undesirable populations. This literally was being cover story articles in the 1920s and 1930s, all coming out of Cold Spring Harbor Labs. And it's the Carnegie Foundation, and it was the life insurers that were funding this nonsense. And, and people sit there going, well, but hold on a second, life insurance, don't, don't they have a negative incentive because they have to pay out when you die? Well, it turns out they do, but they actually have an incentive to manage when you die, not not pay out when you die. 
their incentive is to manage when you die. And if you don't believe me, look at the news just in the last two or three days where entities like BlackRock and other investment funds have been talking about people living beyond their 401ks, their savings accounts, their superannuation in Australia, you know, living too long, outliving their assets. This problem of, of matching death to profit has been a century in the making. And Shea and Sovereign, its time is coming. And unfortunately, they know the horizon because I know the horizon. The horizon is 2026 and 2027. At that horizon, we will actually officially run out of the trust funds that a lot of these large-scale pension and asset managers have. And when those trust funds run out, we currently have too many people living right now to pay those obligations. And so when I talk about this, people go, oh, well, that's insidious. Are you suggesting that people would have an incentive to kill off the population? Um, I'm not suggesting the incentive. I'm explicitly stating that's what they're saying. And this is coming out of a century of programming which has been built around how do we get this very evil bargain struck? And the evil bargain is really simple. I'm going to get you to pay into your superannuation. I'm going to get you to pay into Social Security. I'm going to get you to pay into your Medicares and your Medicaids and whatever else. I'm going to get you to pay into a centrally managed asset holding. I'm going to make a promise about the, I'm going to take care of you some time indeterminate in the future, you know, after you're 65, 70, whatever else. So, so I'm going to take your money today. I'm going to use your money today. I'm going to enrich myself today. And I'm going to then tell you I'm going to keep a promise when you hit 65 or 70. Tiny little problem. In 2011, and you heard me correctly, in 2011, that promise was broken. Not in the U.S., worldwide. That promise was broken. Life insurers, annuities, superannuation in Australia, you know, all of the programs around the world that are built allegedly to take your money today so that you have money later, 2011 came and they officially became illiquid actuarially. What does that mean? That means that they can't keep the promises that they made prior to 2011, which means that by 2026 and 2027, there's a problem. There are a whole lot of people, and by that I mean several hundred million people who had promises made to them who are going to have those promises broken. You know what's really a bummer is if they're all still here to know that the promises were broken. Wow, that's that's deep. Um, yeah, that's 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 very, very insightful. And. Wow, that, that makes it all a little bit more sinister and, and dark. Of course, the, the roots of all of this in these um, leading families, so to speak, that are you know, part of those insuring companies that started that out um, purely for profit and gain, but yep. ultimately for that sense of control and, you know, let's just call it what it is, world domination. It, it's it's a... I have seen it in the human sphere as a real mind virus, as, as this yep. reticle. When you look up what, what bureaucratic really means, and I just pulled it up on the etymology just to kind of refresh my brain, 
but you know, look at our people. It is it is not nice terminology. No, um, and and it is it is self perpetuating, and it cannot stop itself. It Correct. is just devouring machine that just keeps. It's a virus that keeps and needs to keep growing with its bylaws and its new whatever it comes up with. But we kind of jump to a whole new um, a whole new scale where whatever has been attempted with all of the previous experiments, SARS and so forth, that never got off the launching pad yep. in the way that did this, yep. uh, that we have experienced. I don't necessarily want to go too much into the kind of darker aspects that really underlies all of this, because when you really look at it and do the proper research, then we're not actually dealing with humans. And that's, that is one of the, most challenging aspects that I have come across is like, how can our gullible human family, because we're, we're just very well-believing, we, we don't inherently distrust others. How can we come to terms with, with that little notion? Yeah. Um, I think we need to deal with the awakening first and then we'll discover the deeper truth afterwards yeah, but Sovereign, I think, and, and I love where you're going with this, but I, I want to make sure that we understand that we all bear inside of our social awareness a degree of, of responsibility and accountability for what's happening. And, and let me be really clear on this. If we as humanity emancipated ourselves from our social conditioning of a fear of death, Okay, and, and let me say this one more time, because you got to hear it exactly as I'm saying it. If we emancipated ourselves from a fear of death, then the economic and the mercantile impulses around this, how do we prey on the fear of death, would actually be limited not only in, we would actually not be giving resources in life to essentially you know, enable ourselves to have this fantasy illusion that somehow or another the last few years of our life are going to be spent in relative opulence, um, which is absolutely nonsensical. I mean, just even saying it is nonsensical. You know, live now. Don't wait to live for crying out loud. Like, live now. Um, but if but if we actually moved into a space where we emancipated ourselves from our fear of death, not only would we not have the life insurance cabal and the structured uh, economic cabal that is actually destroying humanity's experience of living right now. But are you ready for this? We would actually also not fear a thing like a, 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 a pathogen. Like we wouldn't do that because we would actually know that the, the fullness of living includes this amazing thing called a biome inside of us and, and this beautiful thing called immunity and, this beautiful thing called the the propagation of intelligences that we can share with each other in the form of whether we call them exosomes or when we call them whatever we want to call them. It doesn't matter what we name them. The fact of the matter is, if we celebrated life instead of fearing death, all of this thing would cease. And by cease, I mean literally stop. We would actually eviscerate the funding which allows the controllers to control. So, so that would be a problem. But then we'd also eviscerate funding of silly companies like chemical companies, whether they're Pfizer or Moderna or AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson or any of these things. We would get rid of them because they're making their money on the Medicare, Medicaid-fueled fear of death, 
which has actually been the message of health for the last 110 years. So, so listen, people, this is not an unsolvable. This is a wake up and choose life moment, not a, oh my gosh, how do we find the bad guy? The bad guy is if we're sending energy into the system that is destroying us, then we're actually part of the problem. And it is a head shift. It's a heart shift. It's a connection shift. It's a social shift. It's, it's a community shift that we all need to take responsibility for because yes, Cold Spring Harbor Lab is where the model of DNA came from. It is where the model of RNA came from in the 1980s. It is where all of these pathogen-based, fear-based systems were born. And the minute we choose not to endorse a system that preys on our fear of death, we will actually be emancipated to life. Wow, I love that. That is powerful. It's such a great message, particularly where we're at now is like looking at what is the solutions, you know, what can we actually embody in ourselves and take responsibility for because so many yeah. times it's easy just to externalize everything and be in fear and and be helpless in a sense. And I just love yeah. the message that you bring, um, David. It's just like so potent in its way that we each of us, it's our role to take responsibility to shift our, our own stories. And I'm just I'm curious to go down that that rabbit hole even further, yeah. you know, and the future dreaming of what's possible when we really start to do that in ourselves and in our communities and in the the greater scope of the world that we find ourselves in. Because I know you you've released that film um, on your website, Future Dreaming, and it's just so potent to really just um, invigorate those conversations even more so because it's now in in this time in this day and age, it's like what are we? We we know that there is this. Um, elite group of people who who potentially control a lot of the world and they have a they have a vision for humanity they yeah. have an agenda for us but what's our vision for us what's our vision for humanity and and what do we see forth coming coming forward you know what a beautiful question and and i think you know shay it's it's perfect we we, we told people that we were going to deliver some some uh you know secret plans and so forth and <laughs> feels only ethically right to to meet that promise. Um, and, and what I want to do is I want to show you a couple things. Uh, the, the one thing I wanted to, to let you see was this amazing document that has, uh, you know, the obligatory, you know, kind of uh, what, what appears to be kind of the, the third world-ish looking um, person, you know, on the cover of the document. But, but what I want to do is I want to take you into the document just far enough to see that this global action plan, and you'll notice the date, the global vaccine action plan, 2011 to 2020. And for those of you looking this up, this is from the World Health Organization's library, um, the global vaccine action plan, 2011 to 2020. If you hip flip into it, it's just, it's just great to, to look at this. Um, the Global Vaccine Action Plan is a framework approved by the World Health Assembly in May of 2012 to achieve a decade of vaccines vision by delivering universal access to immunization. And, and they go on, you know, vaccines have saved countless lives, lowered the global incidence of polio by 99%, uh, not mentioning the fact that it's increased the incidence of polio uh, quite significantly in, in addition, um, reduced illness, disability, and death from diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, measles, Haemophilus influenza type B disease and epidemic meningococcal A meningitis. And if we look at the leadership council, I mean, let's let's look at who this is. And I'll go ahead and blow this up on the screen so, 
so we can all see their glorious names and faces, we have none other than Gavi, the uh, Seth Berkeley, who is the chief executive of Gavi, funded by the Gates Foundation, Dr. Chris Elias, the president of the Global Development Program for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the UNICEF, Mr. Anthony Lake, Dr. Margaret Chan, Director General of the World Health Organization, none other than our nefarious Dr. Anthony Fauci, Director of USAID, and Ms. Joy Pumpafi, the Executive Secretary of the African Leaders Malaria Alliance. And if we go into this and we spend any time reading through it, what we find is that this entire structure of how we're supposed to see the world is we're supposed to, between 2011 and 2020, we are supposed to have a world, and they very specifically laid this out, where the entirety of human health is adjudicated through the presence of a universal influenza and in, 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 in uh, immunization program. Vaccines are the future of human health. Now, now, I'm not making that statement. That is their explicit plan. That is exactly what they laid out in 2011. And if you go back and you ask yourself, but but hold on a second. You mentioned the life insurance thing. You mentioned all these other things. Yes, I did. And if you go back and look at where all of these researchers have a common laboratory that all go through a common funding source and all go through a common approval process, that process is none other than the Carnegie-founded Cold Spring Harbor Labs. Now, you don't hear about the Cold Spring Harbor Labs because no one talks about it. I think I'm the only one that talks about it. But if you look at the Cold Spring Harbor Labs, and remember, this is where the eugenics office of the United States is officially headquartered. This is not this is not me kind of going, ooh, hide under the rock. Look at this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, look at the U.S. eugenics office and Cold Spring Harbor Labs, and you find out that you just found where the eugenics office is. This is not a, a theory. This is not going out on a limb. This is actually the approval of a mandatory program where we have decided who lives, who dies, and what the quality of life is, and we've adjudicated it through one location, funded by NIAID, National Institutes for Health, Anthony Fauci's program. And if you go and you look at the entire coronavirus working group, the ICTV, the World Health Organization's International Committee on the Taxonomy of Viruses, which is where they made up this thing called SARS-CoV-2 and where they made up everything else. And you go back and say, okay, but maybe those are at least international experts. Well, nice try, but guess what? They all have their tentacles. That Sovereign used the term earlier, the mycelium, right? The fungus little fingers that actually all connect back. And they all connect back to NIAID and the Cold Spring Harbor lab scientists. And, and if you examine this particular thing. You know, people often say, I feel like you're making a reach here. Like I've said many times, this is not Dave looking for evidence to support a theory. This is Dave watching reinsurance companies in Switzerland. You heard what I just said. Reinsurance companies in Switzerland, life insurance companies in New York and in Minnesota and in Wisconsin and in Michigan life insurance companies in the UK, in the financial district in London, life insurance companies that got their permits to open up in China. These are the organizations that I am watching and the funding sources that I am watching. And the reason why I know where to look is not because I'm researching it. 
I'm watching it. I'm watching it unfold. That is the reason why you got to see that in 2019, and this is the last screen I'm going to share, but I, you know, all, all this stuff, you guys have the ability to, to look at, to examine, and, and to examine very closely. But let's look at page six of the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board um, objective. And let's look very carefully at what the published objective in this this the the summer of 1992 uh, sorry it, summer of 2019 let's actually read exactly what this was a rapidly spreading pandemic due to a lethal respiratory pathogen whether naturally emergent or accidentally or deliberately released poses additional preparedness requirements donors and multilateral institutions must ensure adequate investment in developing innovative vaccines and therapeutics surge manufacturing capabilities. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this series. And if you'd like to listen to the full episode and get more conscious content online, tune into our online video platform at earthheroestv.com. Hope you have a great day, guys, and a huge love from me, and see you next time.